Hello, good afternoon and good morning for those that are joining us from Americas. I'm Paulo Braga, Food Technical Manager at Foodology by Univar Solutions, supporting enzyme application since 1998 in MA regions and most recently in North America and Latin America. We are delighted to share with you today our know-how on the new tools for extra virgin olive oil extraction process. I can see we have a fantastic audience, having people from California, Spain, Portugal, Italy, Turkey, Australia, and other markets. Today, we hope to share ideas and solutions for the new reality of olive oil processing, such as early start campaigns are a reality with high volumes to process right now. How do we process low matured fruit? How to deal with high moisture content in fruit? For this, I'm delighted to have Pablo Canamasas with us. Pablo is an agricultural scientist and technician in the olive oil production and quality fields. He has been involved in the olive oil industry for over 26 years and has worked for Boundary Bend Olives in Australia, the largest olive oil producer in the South Hemisphere for the past 21 years. Pablo is also an independent consultant to olive oil and avocado private companies in the United States, China, Japan, New Zealand, Chile, Israel, Mexico, and others. Is frequently invited as a judge in international olive oil tasting competitions all around the world. We'll start the session with a presentation, and after that, Pablo will answer any questions you may have. Please send your questions in the chat box you should be seeing on your screen right now. I also want to thank Novozymes, the world leader in enzymes, for partnering with us to make today's session possible. So, thank you for joining. Let us have your questions throughout Pablo's presentation. And Pablo, over to you. Thank you, Pablo. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Pablo Canamasas. I was invited today to um, uh, present or give you a talk on the technical challenges uh, that we had to face, uh, those of us that are working outside uh, Europe in the olive oil industry. So um, one of the most important things that we're going to talk about uh, today are pretty much basically which uh, are those challenges um, I'm talking about and how they influence in the decision-making process at the processing plant at the time of extracting the oil from the paste. Um, we, we are going to talk a little bit too on the fruit parameters uh, or, or processing parameters that we need to evaluate, assess, measure in order to make adjustments uh, in the process. Um, I'm going to mention something about the new technologies that are nowadays in the market uh, to face or uh, to be able to basically face those uh, new industrial challenges that, that we, we have. Um, uh, obviously, I'm going to be talking about procinates. This is a massive difference between what uh, producers in Europe do as opposed to what we do outside Europe uh, on these terms. And at the same time, I'm going to finish, finish my presentation talking a little bit about industrial efficiency, which I think su summarizes the whole message that I want to convey onto you. So when we talk about production challenges, one of the most important things I have to mention here is that there's a, a, a trend in the new world, um, in, in, the, in, in these new countries. I'm talking obviously about Australia, California, Argentina, Chile, the, the bigger producers uh, outside Europe, New Zealand, South Africa. Um, there's, a, there's a trend towards trying to start um, uh, harvest early in order to finish um, the, the, the harvest also early. 
So starting early means trying to uh, achieve high-quality oils. Obviously, we cannot compete um, uh, with Europe in terms of volumes. So we had to, we're forced to uh, produce uh, oils of high quality. So starting early pretty much is in terms of trying to target that. But at the same time, uh, starting early and finishing early means trying to reduce or minimize the negative impact of the annual, typical annual bearing of the olive tree, where you typically have high productions one year and low productions the, the following year. And at the same time, starting early is uh, a way of trying to keep under control the problems, all the problems we have with frost events and fungal diseases that, that we have to deal with in our production areas. But at the same time, when we start uh, harvest early, there are some problems associated with, with this, which are typically the low oil content in fruit, which is the typical case for the fruit that comes uh, early at the processing plant. The low maturity of the fruit is also another problem. We know that uh, processing fruit of low maturity is more difficult than, than processing riper fruit. And at the same time, starting early means that we have to deal with high and higher ambient temperatures. That also um, poses a challenge to us at the processing plant. More than 90% of the groves outside uh, uh, Europe are under irrigation. And this gives way also to high moisture fruit. This is also a big industrial challenge that we have to face. We are going to talk about that. Um, more than 90% of the groves also are mechanically harvested, obviously for um, cost effectiveness. Mechanical harvesting is, is, is cheaper. Um, but also this uh, tends to give problems with mummified fruit presence, which uh, uh, typically has a problem on the, uh, or gives way to a problem in the quality of the oils that we produce. In the super high density plantations, uh, groves like the ones you see in the photo where trees are uh, in, in, in small tree spacings, there is a tendency of having problems with fruit size, small fruit, that also um, gives way to a, a typical uh, industrial challenge. And, and also um, the chemistry of the oils uh, produced in some areas outside Europe do not comply with some uh, international oil standards, which is another problem we have to face for those of us processing outside Europe. Um, so when, when I talk about early harvest strategy, as I said, we are trying to start early, to finish early, and avoid these kind of problems like fungal diseases, uh, diseases as I mentioned, uh, funguses that basically penetrate um, uh, the, the, the flesh of, of the fruit, uh, uh, grow inside the pulp, ferment the pulp, and gives way to us with high acidity. Obviously, trying to uh, start early and finish early will obviously have any, a positive impact on this issue in particular. So when we talk about fungal diseases, like typically soft nose, um, this chart basically shows what's the incidence of the fungus when, um, of the attack of the, of the fungus, depending on the maturity of the fruit. And, and as we can see here, we have two curves, one that reflects fruit that has been wounded uh, and fruit that is in good condition. Obviously, fruit that is wounded is open. It's easier for the fungus to penetrate. So the incidence of the attack of the fungus is much higher than in the case of fruit that is in good condition. But at the same time, regardless of whether the fruit is in good condition or wounded, um, the increase of the maturity index also opens up a door for the entrance of these funguses inside the fruit to ferment the fruit and ferment the oil. So obviously, trying to pick fruit early in the season will stop 
this evolution of the attack of the fungals. As I mentioned, too, some areas, in, in, in particular in the south of Argentina, south of Chile, north of California, south of New Zealand, have bigger, um, some continental areas in Australia have problems with frost uh, occurrence. And this is a, a big problem because in, in the case of frost, this has an impact both on the acidity and the peroxide value of the oil that we produce. Once the frost happens, the evolution of the acidity, which is the line in blue color, and the evolution of the peroxide value or the oxidation uh, of the oil, which is the, the line in pink color, um, as soon as the, the frost occurs, um, the evolution of these two parameters goes up exponentially. So trying to pick early will definitely, uh, in, in order to finish early, will be in, in, uh, in trying to avoid the frost, the late harvest frost that tend to hit those, those production areas. Uh, frost also have uh, um, a problem with, in terms of um, the, the kind of, um, basically the impact they have on the, on the polyphenol content of the oil. So typically when the, when the frost hits um, the, the, the fruit, uh, most of the polyphenols disappear and the oils tend to become sweeter. So again, trying to pick early to finish early um, will help us avoiding this issue in particular. I also mentioned that more than 80% of the groves outside Europe uh, pick the fruit uh, mechanically, but this also at the same time comes along with some issues. The presence of mummified fruit is always uh, a big problem. Mummified fruit is simply just fruit that wasn't picked. I mean, when, when you're picking mechanically, you do not pick 100% of fruit that is on the canopy of the tree. Um, there's always a, a, a percentage of fruit that is, that is left behind. Uh, that fruit uh, eventually um, that is not picked remains on the canopy of the, of the tree, uh, ferments, dries out, and then stays and mixes with the, the fruit coming from the following year. And when, uh, when that happens, uh, then this mummified fruit ends up impacting negatively on the quality of the oils of the following year. So this is a big problem, particularly in, in varieties Arbosana, Coroneki, and uh, Arbequina, which uh, are the, the most important varieties in, 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 in the super high-density plantations uh, that we work with. But also, this also happens in, in Coratina. Obviously, trying to improve harvesting efficiencies is what we try to do in order to target this particular issue. This is a work that I did in Argentina a few years back, working with Arbosana, um, measuring basically what was the incidence or the impact of mummified fruit in fruit, uh, in fruit loads, um, in, in basically in a fruit load, comparing everything to a fruit load that had no fruit mummified fruit against another load that had a 1% mummified fruit. So 1% of fruit um, that was mummified, again, plus 99% of fruit that was in good condition. Another one that had a 3% of mummified fruit, another one with 7.5% of mummified fruit. And if we see the uh, free fatty acid evolution, we can clearly see that as, we, as, as the presence of mummified fruit increases, there's also a clear increment on the free fatty acids of the oil. And also, there is once we get to 3% uh, mummified fruit presence, we can also detect a sensorial defect on the nose in the oil. So this is a big problem that we face. Those of us that we uh, that have to mechanically harvest the fruit. 90% um, or more of the, of the plantations in the new production areas are under irrigation. And this has also an impact on the, on the, on the uh, quality and the 
uh, and the quantity of oil that we get in the in the present plant. Why um, we uh, we irrigate trees? Very simply, because irrigating the trees just simply give us more fruit on, on a per hectare basis and more oil on a per hectare basis. This is a work done by Redondo and uh, their team of um, researchers. They were basically trying to understand what the quality of the oil was if if you irrigated your grove with 100% of the total water required by the grove, and then comparing that to two different lots um, or parcels of the farm with 50% of the total water requirement in this case. And they found that definitely if, if you irrigate less, um, then you get oils with more total polyphenols as compared to the, 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 the trees that were fully irrigated. Uh, and also a longer shelf life of the oil uh, measured by Ransimat in this case, when you put less water on the trees. But what's the problem? That if you do not put the water, you simply don't get the kilos of fruit on a per hectare basis. 17,000 kilos against 10,000 kilos of fruit per hectare. And also the oil, 1,800 uh, kilos of oil against, uh, against 1,400 kilos of oil or 1,400 per hectare, um, which is a massive difference. For you to understand this, uh, working outside the um, Europe, we consider that a grove not achieving at least 1,500 kilos of oil on a per hectare basis is, is, a, is a grove that is performing poorly. But irrigating the, the, um, irrigating the trees also brings up the issue of fruit with high moisture levels. If we look at the composition of the pulp of a fruit, we'll see that more than 60% of the, 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 the composition of the pulp is water. Uh, only 25% of it is oil. And, there are, and then also there are other minor components like polysaccharides, sugars, uh, phenols, proteins, and pectins, which also play an important role um, in, the, uh, in, in, in the processing plant. That also will, uh, will tend to create problems at the time of the oil extraction. But why is moisture a problem? Just simply because it creates what we call emulsions. Emulsions are simply very stable mixes of oil and water that are created by the crusher. So the crusher rotates at 3,000 RPM, mixes very thoroughly oil and water, and then it's very difficult for the decanter by centrifugation to remove that oil from the, uh, from the, uh, from the paste. This uh, mix of oil and water has a lipoproteic membrane that makes that, uh, that um, emulsion very stable. Also has pectins that makes, uh, make the, uh, the, the, the emulsion stable. So at the time of trying to reduce uh, the level of emulsions, we have to deal or trying to get fruit with lower moisture content with lower, lower pectins. But in general, what we need to know is the more pectins we have in the fruit, the more emulsions are created, and this is typical of green fruit. Green fruit has more pectins than riper fruit. So that's, that's the reason why green fruit is more difficult to process than riper fruit. And also, higher fruit moisture gives way to higher level of emotions, and more emotions simply means more oil losses in the pomas. So this is a big problem we face, those of us that work in groves under irrigation. How do we deal with these emotions? Well, what we all, all do... Um, when we have paste that are emulsified, which just simply increase the crushing degree. Uh, so if we are working with the green number five, we move to a six. Uh, if we are working with a green six mil, we, we move to a green number seven. So we increase uh, the, the crushing degree. 
if we have the, the option of slowing down the rotating speed of the crusher, we do it. We try to be less um, aggressive in crushing uh, the paste. Uh, if we can, we malax for a little bit longer in order to get in order to give the malaxer the time to break down those emotions. Or we simply use procinates, so we're going to see later on, such as talc powder, which helps in avoiding the formation of those emotions. Enzymes that also help in making the emotions less stable because they break down pectins. And also kaolinitic clays, which are also another interesting procinate that we can use in order to reduce or minimize the impact of those emotions. At the same time, when we work uh, with emotions, um, we know that there's a negative impact on the performance of the decanter. If we get to see here, this is a work that I did in, in California many years ago, just trying to understand and uh, basically how the, the decanter performed with different lots of fruits that had different moisture content levels. When I put in order and increase in order those uh, lots of fruit from the driest to the wettest, um, I noticed that the efficiency of the decanter, of, of destruction of the decanter dropped, but at the same time, not only dropped, but also the performance of the decanter in terms of efficiency became more and more erratic. So that's the kind of impact that these emotions, the high fruit moisture have on the performance of a decanter. So when we talk about um, fruit um, analysis, we, uh, we always uh, say that basically every single um, decision, technical decision made at the processing plant level is based on the fruit condition. How the fruit comes to the processing plant will dictate how we're going to process that fruit in the processing plant. Obviously, key uh, for all of us working in this industry is measuring oil content and moisture content of the incoming fruits. We all use um, uh, uh, equipment such as near-infrared equipment like the ones you see here, a bench unit or an online unit basically set up on the uh, exit of a pomace from the decanter uh, line uh, to measure basically all losses in a continuous way. But understanding the oil content of the fruit coming in and the moisture content of the fruit coming in is, is key uh, to understand how should we adjust in the process moving forward. Fruit maturity is also extremely important. This is just simply a photo of, of um, three different loads of uh, Barnea fruit in Australia in different uh, maturity stages, as, as you can see, giving pace of uh, different, that give, uh, uh, give space to different um, industrial behavior of the processing plant. So the fruit may be the same, the variety may be the same, but in different fruit maturity stages will pose to us a different industrial challenge. So what happens with the fruit when it matures? Very simply, uh, the total pectin of a fruit, the pectin content of a fruit, the pectins, uh, are those compounds that are um, in cell walls that keep the, the, the pulp of the fruit firm. As, as the fruit matures from green to black, uh, that total pectin content of the fruit drops naturally and slowly. Um, and as a consequence, because those pectins disappear, also the texture of the fruit starts dropping as, as well. So at the beginning of the season, green fruit has a very firm texture as we move towards the end of the season, fruit becomes riper and the fruit becomes softer as well and easier to process. We all measure uh, maturity index, um, basically follow, following a formula uh, like the one you, you get to see here. It's just a standard way of measuring, um, uh, measuring maturity. 
we simply categorize maturity based on the uh, visual aspect of the skin and the aspect of the pulp, the color of the, the skin and the color of the pulp. And we categorize the fruit in eight categories from zero to seven um, in order to understand basically what the maturity index of a fruit is. The problem that we have outside Europe is that if, if even if this uh, way of measuring maturity works really well in Spain, Italy, um, Portugal, in areas outside Europe where we don't have typically Mediterranean weather, this maturity index does not reflect uh, accurately the physical maturity of a fruit. So really the, the real maturity of what's happening inside the fruit. So that's something that we also have to consider, those of us working in these new areas of production, that sometimes we need to learn on how the fruit matures, really physiologically matures, to understand how it will behave in the processing plant. Fruit size and weight are also uh, very important uh, parameters to take into consideration. Uh, the flesh and pit ratio is something that we also have to uh, measure um, and understand and what's the averages uh, of those uh, of flesh and pit ratio of the main varieties that we process. This chart just simply shows what the average flesh and pit ratio is for those varieties that we process uh, in, in Australia and some of them in California. But we need to have an understanding. The key thing here is that any fruit that is has a lower caliber, caliber uh, than the average for the variety or a lower flesh to pit ratio will tend to give more problems at the processing plant in terms of extracting the oil because it will give way to higher viscosity base. So pump firmness is something that we measure in order to understand how firm the pump is, try to anticipate uh, or predict how that pace will, uh, will behave in the, um, in the processing plant. We also measure the pace viscosity. Pace vis viscosity is also a parameter that is highly related to the processing degree of, um, of difficulty. Um, the, typically, the more viscous the paste is, the less oil we tend to obtain from, from the paste. So measuring viscosity using a viscometer like the one you, you get to see here is important to understand how the process is evolving in the, in the processing plant. We also keep an eye on the, on the torque uh, of the malaxer or the, the consum consumption of energy of the motors of the malaxer, which also gives us an indication on how viscous, how heavy the paste is. So we tend to correlate that uh, energy consumption to extraction rates. And, and it's, it's also another way, another way of working that we have in the processing plant to help us understanding, okay, well, this paste is not ready to go into centrifugation, or we just have to prepare it, do a, a different paste preparation to reduce the energy consumption of the malaxer to obtain more oil out of a paste. But once we have measured all those parameters, what do we do with them? Well, analyzing the data is key uh, to understand, uh, basically, um, how we should be adjusting the equipment in the processing plant, whether I had to adjust to any, any adjustments in the decanter, I had to adjust the, the dosages of proteinase that I'm going to apply to the process, the speed of processing, uh, etc. But analyzing the condition is key. I, I just put here two examples, one in California. Uh, basically, when what we detected is that working with cultivar uh, Arbequina coming from high-density groves, um, when we get to meet 
three, uh, at least three of these um, conditions, we tend to have problems with base viscosity. So when the fruit comes with less than 1.3, 1.4 grams in Arbequina, or and when the fruit comes with uh, less than 50% moisture, and or when, when the fruit comes with less than 14.5% or content, or the maturity is lower than 1.5, then we know that if these conditions um, uh, combine, uh, then we will have a, an industrial problem ahead of us. In the case of Australia, for instance, uh, when we have equal fruit uh, coming to the processing plant that is bigger than the average, 5.5 or bigger than 5.5 grams, when it's coming at a medium to higher maturity index over, over three maturity, and when the fruit moisture content is high, we know that in that case, we have to reduce the enzyme dosage, we have to reduce the decanter plate number, uh, so the, the oil doesn't come out so dirty from the decanter, uh, and also we had to increase the crusher grid size. So if we are working with a grid five, we, we should move to a grid six. So this is the way we just have to understand um, decision-making at the processing plan level. We have to analyze all the parameters in a combined way to understand how that fruit is going to behave in the middle. So what technical approach we put in practice in order to face all these issues that I mentioned before? Color sorter units uh, are something uh, are things that you're going to find um, very commonly in processing plants outside Europe to deal with the issue of mummified fruits. These corrosor machines just simply work with um, with a, um, a sensor that um, irradiates uh, light on the visible range and on the infrared range, and then these machines are able to basically sort out eject out the mummified fruit that is outside certain parameters already set. So we use these equipments in the receival area of the processing plant to remove uh, mummified fruit uh, in order to uh, clean up those uh, loads of fruit that come to the processing plant and avoid the increase of uh, free fatty acids. Um, the wash uh, bypass option is, is another, uh, another um, uh, basically uh, parameter that we consider in this case. Um, uh, bypassing the, 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 the washing of the fruit is important um, in order to reduce uh, the amount of moisture content that goes with the fruit inside the crusher. So trying to minimize the amount of water that goes with the fruit inside the crusher will reduce the amount of emulsions that we create. So, and at the same time, by reducing the amount of water, we will be able to get more oil out of the paste. So wash, bypass, uh, wash and bypass uh, is something that we practice a lot outside Europe. Another aspect that we consider is the rotating speed of the uh, of the decanter. Uh, sorry, rotating speed of the crusher. More and more, you will see processing plants outside uh, Europe uh, with crushers with a variable speed in order to move the rotating speed from 3,000 rpm to say 2,300 or from 3,000 to 3,600. This uh, chart basically shows a work that I I found to be very very interesting done in California by a group of researchers. They studied the crusher rotating at 2,400 RPM, 3,000 and 3,600 RPM, working with an Arbosana fruit, typical fruit of California, with a bit of a high uh, moisture content level, but a very, very low maturity, so 1.1 maturity index, so a green, very green fruit. And they found, basically, what they studied was the efficiency obtained in each case and the quality of the oils obtained in each case. Very simply, what they found was basically that rotating at higher speed rotating speed with fruit in this condition 
would give them more efficiency, 86.5% to 86 to 85.3. And not only that, but also oils with a higher polyphenol level in the oils. So they concluded that in this case, rotating speeds at a higher rate will, will, uh, would be a good option to deal with early harvest fruit that typically comes in this condition. Um, the malaxation time uh, reduction is where the industry these days is moving towards. Um, so one of the things that you, you probably have already have seen in present plants in Europe is that these new heat exchange systems are being set up in order to reduce the malaxation time that we apply to the process in, without compromising the oil recovery. So these units, uh, these heat exchange uh, units, in this case, the Protoratore from Piralisi, which has a cylinder with an auger to create pressure in order to release oil, uh, the tubular system from Alfa Laval, which is simply um, piping with, a, with, a, uh, with hot water, uh, with a jacket system of hot water that, that heats up the paste, and a similar system, the Heatex from Amenduni. What they do is they have the chance to either cool down the paste or heat up the paste. So these units are used a lot in uh, processing plants outside Europe in order to cool down the paste at the beginning of the season where the fruit comes very, very hot from the, from the farm or heat up the paste uh, when at, at, the, at the end of the season when we are running winter and the fruit comes very cold to the processing plant. And they all uh, go, this technology basically goes towards trying to reduce the malaxation time that we apply to the process in order to get higher quality oils. The high vacuum malaxation system is a, another interesting uh, technology that has been put uh, in the market recently. High vacuum basically impacts on the release of the oil and the coalescence of the oil droplets that, uh, that are spreading the paste. Uh, there's also a water ev evaporation and cond condensation happening in there. So inside this cylinder, there's also an auger that rotates and mixes the paste at very, very high vacuum conditions. Um, and also, what has been proved, proven is that these systems increase significantly, increase the, the polyphenol content of the oil. But at the same time, because they apply high uh, vacuum uh, uh, pressure, um, they recommend to use these systems at uh, working malaxing at low temperature in order to minimize the amount of aromas that are lost by the vacuum system. How this is how it looks, set up in a in a processing plant, so the vacuum system replaces the standard malaxation process and goes, obviously, uh, after the crusher and before the decanter. The other uh, technique that is very interesting, and this, uh, there is these days now uh, in, out there in the market, uh, is the high-power, uh, low-frequency ultrasonics. Ultrasound energy also applied to the paste, also breaks down cell walls and releases uh, oil. The best conditions uh, to make this work are high power and low frequency. This is what has to be, uh, was found to be the best uh, combination to get uh, a proper oil release. What we found in Australia in this particular case was that this process is much more effective working in, in low material fruit than in riper fruit. So this, te um, this technology applies really, really well to the early harvest strategy that we apply. And if this system is properly applied, then uh, it is possible to replace, to fully replace the malaxation system uh, by setting up these ultrasonic reactors. Another in interesting technique that is out there in the market is the pulse electric field, which is basically a, a system in which the paste is, is, the paste is treated 
under uh, post-electric field condition with low ener energy for only microseconds. And this creates a porosity um, in the membrane cells through which the oil comes out from the base. So this is how this system helps in uh, releasing oil. Um, it, mm, it didn't have any impact, uh, when, when studied, it didn't have any impact on the quality uh, of the oil. Uh, the paste is treated immediately uh, before the crusher, um, sorry, after the crusher and before uh, the malaxer, uh, but it definitely requires a malaxation step after the treatment with uh, the electric field. Uh, so it also, in some, in some works done by researchers, they found to have a, a positive impact on the release of oil and the recovery of that oil. So this is where the system goes set up immediately after the crusher, before the malaxer. And obviously, uh, one of the most important uh, aspects that we have to mention in this conversation, which um, uh, has a huge impact on the kind of work we do in these new areas, are prosthenates. When, when we talk about prosthenates, it is important that we uh, touch on legislation because the legislation in Europe is not the same as the one in other countries outside Europe. But in Europe, very simply, there's a definition uh, by the uh, European community uh, on what olive oil is and how it should be obtained. It just simply says that oils uh, are, uh, should be coming slowly from uh, only from the olive tree fruit and the oil should be removed from only by physical and mechanical means. And in the Article 7 of that, Regulation clearly says that in order to preserve the characteristic of virgin olive oils, um, those coadjuvants or prosinates that, are, uh, that may have a chemical or biochemical action should be excluded from the, from the process. But if you see the legislation in Australia, for instance, uh, the Australian standard definition is exactly the same as the one used in Europe, but in the Article 9.3, it says, clearly says that prosinates are allowed to be used uh, to the extent of uh, the allowance um, by the Australian New Zealand Food Standard Code, and when you go to the food uh, to the New Zealand Australian New Zealand Food Standard Code, it clearly says in the section one three three that talc powder and pectin as enzymes are the only proteinates allowed to use for olive oil making. A similar um, uh, legislation is in in Argentina. Just recently, uh, in Argentina, enzymes were allowed. Uh, to be used for olive oil making by the food uh, authorities. Um, just simply growers from that country pushed for that uh, legislation to be approved uh, and they achieved it. So enzymes are allowed for use in Argentina in the same way that they are allowed for use in California. Um, but if we have to talk about um, proteinase, we have to start with talc powder and microtalc powder simply because it's the proteinase that is pretty much used everywhere. We know that talc powder is a, is a natural mineral occurring uh, on, in the soil. It's, uh, it's magnesium silicate, typically of laminar structure. And what talc powder does just simply is break down emotions, provokes aggregation of particles inside uh, the malaxer, so gives a structure to the base in the malaxer. Um, it also has a beneficial impact inside the decanter because it's, an, it's a pretty much an anti-adherent substance so it doesn't allow the paste to stick to the inside walls of the decanter and allows for a proper evacuation of the pomas from the decanter. So it helps the decanter increasing its working capacity. The only little trick that we have to consider when we use talc is that it has a strong lipophilic, lipophilic affinity, which means that talc powder likes oil. So 
we have to add, we are forced to add the tag uh, to the pace when the pace is fresh. So at the beginning of the malaxation, because if we have the tag at the, at the end of the malaxation, when the pace is oily, the tag will absorb oil and then we lose, we'll lose that oil with the tag in the biomass. Nowadays, if you go to, to the market, you will, you will see that the traditional tag, uh, old tags, typically have a, a plateau structure or laminar structure. But these days, you can also find in the market tags with a microcrystalline structure that have a much higher surf surface area on a per gram basis uh, than uh, those uh, laminar structure or plateau structure tags. So these tags uh, can be used with a much smaller uh, dosage and have pretty much the same impact as these uh, tags working at a, at a higher dosage. A very interesting work done in, in IFAPA in Jaén by researchers from that institute uh, working with a microtag powder of lower than five microns, so a very fine tag powder. Uh, they basically concluded that microtag powder, in this case, this was done on, on Hoji Blanca fruit from that country, but they found that working with this product, we should not go any higher than 0.5% microtag powder dosage in order to obtain uh, good extraction results or in order to reduce the oil losses in the pomas. As I mentioned before, carbonylic clays are also interesting products to consider. They are similar to tag. They are applied in, in a similar way as tag powder. They are simply plastic white clays. And, uh, and you know, the, the difference with tag in, in this particular case is that is, instead of being magnesium silicate, they, they are aluminum silicate. And for that reason, they have a much more hydrophilic affinity. So these, these clays like much more water than oil, and they're safer for use in the processing plant. So this is an interesting product because, again, um, we will not have to, uh, we'll, it, it will not force us to use it so early in the malaxation process. It's just simply because carbonatic clays will tend to absorb water to their surface than, uh, than, than oil. Um, obviously, one of the main differences uh, between uh, Europe and the rest uh, of, the, of the world is that, as I mentioned before, enzymes have been approved in some of the countries for, for use. Uh, and, and definitely this uh, product, these products are key to the early harvest strategy that I was talking about before, simply because pectinase enzymes are the industrial tool that we use to deal with low maturity fruit. So low maturity fruit with high pectin content um, is always treated with pectinase enzymes in order to degrade those pectins and release the oil. One of the most important things to understand is that pectin enzymes are simply biologically active proteins that help in degrading, degrading those pectins. They are extremely specific. So pectinase enzymes have been designed to specifically, deg uh, specifically degrade pectins, not touching any other compound in the fruit. That's the reason why they don't have an impact on the quality of the oil. So they are water-soluble and easily removed by centrifugation. They release a lot of oil from the paste. And also, at the same time, they help in minimizing, minimizing the environmental impact that we leave. Um, just simply because they reduce the oil, uh, the oil loss in the pomas, the, the oil presence in pomas, making it more environmentally friendly when we dispose it back in the farm. And also, they reduce the energy consumption of the equipment we use uh, in the processing plant because they reduce the viscosity of the paste. The equipment works uh, with consuming less energy. But what enzymes do in the paste? This, this is a photo just simply showing um, 
the, uh, the, the, the cell wall of the fruit. Enzymes basically degrade the middle lamella that keeps, uh, that keeps those cells together. So that pectins uh, that you can see here, are that glue, white glue that you see uh, in here that keeps all those cells together. When we put enzymes into the paste, enzymes start degrading um, the, the, the cell walls and uh, degrading the middle lamella and start releasing uh, the cells and freeing up the oil. That's basically the, the work that enzymes do in the paste. So when we add enzymes into the paste, uh, the paste at the beginning is obviously has this look, uh, has a very coarse particle size with a very uh, high viscosity. But 15 minutes after we have added the enzymes, the paste will have a, a totally different look. You will, you will get to see a finer texture um, in, in the malaxer, of the paste in the malaxer. And, and you will also notice a very strong drop in viscosity. If you measure viscosity, enzymes act very, very quickly on that. So within the first 15 minutes of addition, you will see that there's a very strong drop in viscosity of that paste. Then 60 minutes later on, you will get to see that the paste fluidity has increased significantly. The paste has a shiny look to it, just simply because the oil has already come up to the paste. Uh, you will see clearly the, the free oil uh, overfloating and the paste, and there will be another lower drop in viscosity, but not, a, not as strong as the one that happens 15 minutes after addition. Um, so also when we use enzymes, we had to make sure that um, we look into the dosage that we apply into the process. But this chart sh simply shows the impact that the enzyme dosage, dosage has on the viscosity of the paste. The viscosity is depicted here in the blue uh, columns uh, and uh, these uh, different, different uh, blue columns uh, have um, different dosages uh, applied to them. The red line is the industrial efficiency obtained in each case. But if you see that you increase, when you increase the, the enzyme dosage, there is a drop also in the viscosity of the paste until you reach a plateau, a point where there's no more um, viscosity reduction. And there is also no more gain of um, of oil recovery. So that's pretty much the kind of the kind of work that enzymes do on the paste. They significantly reduce paste viscosity, make the paste more fluid, and allow for a better centrifugation of that paste. At the same time, as I mentioned before, when we use enzymes, the energy consumption of the equipment we use in this case, malaxers or, or paste pumps, the energy con consumption drops significantly. This is a work I. I did in California uh, many years ago, working with uh, fruit without enzymes, which are the, um, the rows in yellow color. This one's here, three different tests, comparing the fruit with uh, treated with enzymes, different enzymes, which are all these treatments, to their control. And if we get to see here, um, you see that the amper consumption uh, of the malaxer without enzymes uh, is this, and as soon as you put enzymes in the malaxa, the consumption drops to these values. If this was the, the case in, in the second test uh, for, the for the energy consumption was this, then with enzymes was this. When working without enzymes, in this third test, the consumption was this, and then with enzymes was this. Why the drop, why the drop of energy consumption in this case? Just simply because the viscosity of the paste drops. If this is the viscosity of a paste without enzymes, look at the uh, viscosity uh, of a paste once we add the enzymes. Clearly, clearly drops. And that also reflects in higher efficiencies of oil extracted uh, at the end of a process.
there's also uh, interesting works done on 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 how easier, much easier is to uh, get cleaner oils from the decanter when using uh, these products. There's another reason why uh, we're happy to use these products. It's just simply with that when using enzymes, also talc contribute to this. But in this case, this work has been done by uh, Anahafial and, and his team of, um, of researchers working with two different dosages of enzymes with three different varieties. Uh, but what they measured was the, basically the turbidity or, or, or the cloudiness of the oil uh, without enzymes and with increasing dosages of enzymes. And what they found was that regardless of the variety, as soon as they put enzymes and they increased the dosage, the oils became more and more clean coming out from the decanter. But the main reason why we use enzymes clearly is because of oil recovery. They just simply get us more oil out of a paste. Uh, this is a work I did in, in Chile a few years back, working with Viscosin L and Bectinex Ultra Olio to, um, to enzyme products uh, on paste without enzymes and paste with enzymes. And you can clearly see that there is a massive impact or increase of the uh, industrial efficiency obtained um, at the end of the process uh, when using enzymes. In this case, I use 660 mils per ton uh, with an, a, a very in interesting uh, economic benefit out of the uh, use of these products. This is another work done in Argentina, also a few years back, uh, with the same uh, enzyme products with 200, 350, and 400 mils per ton, working with fruit of very low maturity, which is the case in, in these countries that, um, that we need to start uh, picking fruit early. And you can clearly see that the efficiency of extraction clearly increases um, and, and the oil recovery on a per ton basis uh, measured in this case in kilos, increases as we increase the enzyme dosage. But So this is the main reason why we use, we use enzymes. They help us getting more oil out of the paste. And when we talk about the harvest strategy, if you, if you get to see the, the evolution in this case, this is an example for piquel fruit in Australia. This is what happens in, with, with piquel in Australia when you pick it early, when you pick it in mid-season or you pick it in late-season. Um, in early season, the quality, the sensorial quality of the fruit looks like this, with a very complex oil, a nice green tomato nose. Uh, then when you pick it in mid-season, the complexity of the oil drops a bit. Uh, what it was or used to be a green tomato nose, now it's a red tomato nose. The oil is a little bit less interesting on the nose. When you pick it late, very late in the season, all the complexity of the oil is gone. The intensity of the oil is still there, but... The oil is not the same in terms of quality. Also, when you look at the chemical or the chemistry of the oil, also polyphenols uh, tend to drop as we move towards riper fruit. And the, the acetylglycerols, which is another very important parameter, it's an important quality marker, um, also drops, meaning that the fruit starts losing quality or, or the oil starts losing quality as we move towards the end of the season. Because we cannot compete with Europe in terms of uh, quantity, we are forced to place ourselves somewhere in between early and mid-harvest seasons. Um, so somewhere in between here in order to get the, uh, in order to get quality uh, of the oils. Obviously, when we are at this stage, the problem, what, the, the problem is that the fruit comes with lower oil content and the yields are lower than what they are at the end of the season. At the beginning of the season, we may have a fruit coming at 160, uh, or uh, sorry, 16.2% oil content, out of which we only get 13.8% uh, oil content, basically. We receive uh, 162 kilos of oil 
per thousand kilos of fruit uh, at the present plant, and we only get 138 kilos out of that. While at the end of the season, uh, if you wait for that fruit at the end, uh, you get 206 kilos of oil per thousand kilos of fruit, and you get out of that 181 kilos of oil. The problem is that this oil don't, don't allow us to compete with uh, the, the, the high volumes of Spain. So we are forced to be here. And the main tool that allows us to be working at this uh, stage uh, to get quality oils without compromising quantity is enzymes. To finish up my presentation, I had to touch base on uh, industrial efficiency because this is another thing we are forced to do in, 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 in the new production areas. Uh, you have to remember in, in the new world, there are no subsidies from governments to, to, to our industries. So we are forced to be efficient in order to exist in the industry. When we talk about industrial efficiency, obviously, um, we uh, had to understand that um, the, in, the, the industrial efficiency is related to the oil content of the fruit, just simply because uh, there's a part of the industrial efficiency that doesn't, that doesn't depend on, on us, on the work we do in the, in the processing plant. Very simply because if we lose 2% of oil in the decanter from fruit that comes with 20% oil, our efficiency will be over 90%. But if we lose the same amount of oil in the pomas, say 2%, from fruit that comes with only 14% oil content, our efficiency will be lower than 80%. So there's a, there is uh, a part of the industrial efficiency that depends, or partially depends, on the oil content of fruit that is coming in. This is a chart that shows basically what's the, what, what is what we expect in terms of efficiency from processing plants, depending on the average oil content of the fruit that is coming in to the processing plant. When we talk about extraction efficiency, we also take into consideration uh, a few um, methodologies in order to understand whether we are doing things properly at the plant or not. We measure the counter efficiency. If, we, if you have an NAR machine measuring oil content in fruit and oil content in the pomas, uh, I mean, how much oil you let go with the pomas, then you can work out what the decanter, what the decanter efficiency is. So if you apply this formula, you'll be able to understand what is the efficiency up to the decanter stage. We also take into consideration all losses references. Um, in our processing plants, we tend to say uh, we don't want to lose any, any higher than 8% oil on a dry matter basis, which is the same as saying that we don't want to lose 4% of oil on a fresh matter basis if the pumas comes out with 50% moisture, or 3.2% oil on a fresh matter basis if the oil comes out with 60, if, if the pomace comes out with 60% moisture. But the, the, the truth is that the way to calculate industrial efficiency is by comparing the amount of oil that we received in the fruit and the amount of oil that we were able to remove out of that and have uh, as clean oil in the, in the tanks. This is an example I put for a grower that received 7,935 kilos of fruit with 19.2% oil content, 55.5% moisture content in the fruit. This producer obtained 1,445 liters of oil. If we know that the density of the oil is 0.915 grams per cubic centimeter, uh, we can work out really how many kilos of oil this producer um, uh, obtained. And if we do the math, we will get to see that this producer obtained 16.9% oil out of the 19.2% oil he received. So his industrial efficiency was 87.9%. This is the kind of calculation we had to do all the time in our processing plants to ensure that our process is going well. And obviously, there has to be uh, a, a check of the evolution of that efficiency on a weekly basis. 
every week we should be uh, we're forced to basically follow what the weekly efficiencies are, the year-to-date efficiencies are, what the yields are. I mean, I mean, how many kilos of oil on per thousand kilos of fruit we are obtaining, what the real oil loss of the pomas is in each uh, in each case, what the oil content of the fruit is in, on each week, and what the oil content year-to-date average is. In order to understand whether the processing plan is moving towards the higher efficiencies that we are targeting. So this is uh, the end of the presentation. Uh, I hope that you, you enjoy this. Uh, I say goodbye in this case, and I I, I leave you with Paulo. Uh, well, at this point, I'd like to thank you all the interaction that uh, we've been seeing in the chat. There are some interesting questions. If we don't answer all of them today, we, we promise you that we'll come back to you in the next days with an answer. Uh, in the meanwhile, I'd like to present you the, the calculator that Novozymes has developed in, in order to evaluate in order to measure the benefits of enzymes um, when used in the olive oil extraction. And this last video, there is no sound in this video. Okay? You have access to this website um, by clicking the link that will be uh, on the chat box. Um, and then we will pass on to the question. So, the first question we have here um, What is the typical yield improvement you could potentially obtain by the use of enzymes on top? Well, that, that's a very good question. I think uh, the answer to that is right away that it will depend on, on the fruit condition. Um, but based on the experience we have, if, if, if enzymes and type are properly used, uh, we could go, we, we could get anywhere from 1% to 1.5% more oil out of a paste, which is the same as saying 10 to 15 kilos more oil from 1,000 kilos of fruit process. Um, obviously, the presence of tar, the presence of enzymes will have to be justified again by the condition. High moisture content justifies the presence of tar. Low maturity fruit uh, justifies the presence of enzymes. But uh, I will probably say that in that 10 to 15 kilos of oil that we probably get, uh, maybe 20% of that we can attribute or or, or just uh, blame on the on the tar. The rest, definitely, the enzymes are much more effective in getting all that. Thank you. Mm, next question mm, can be this one. My average, my average industrial efficiency is around eighty-five percent. Do you think there is a room to improve this? Another good question. Um, I think that uh, the answer is yes to that. Um, we consider the industry as a, as a in, as an international benchmark. Eighty-five percent is a is already a good efficiency. But um, 
you know, the, in the way we work, we have reached increases of 90%, a 5% increase above that 85% means a lot of work at the end of the day. So, yes, um, that can be achieved. Um, but again, person and, and the general adjustment of the line has to be applied uh, appropriately to get to that point. Okay, thank you. Next question. What are the main advantages of an early start of the harvest season? Well, I think that, you know, the, pretty much the, the basis of uh, the presentation that I just gave is, is pretty much, as I said, it's based on that. Just starting early is the strategy that we all apply outside Europe uh, in a way to basically get the number one goal, which is quality. Um, but at the same time, and this is important, uh, we all know by now that the more we leave the fruit of the kind of the trees, the more we impact negatively on the flowering of the following year. So starting early to finishing early uh, also means that, that we are we going, going to, to not even the flower production uh, for the following year. As a consequence, we will get more oil on a hectare Sorry, more oil on a hectare basis. So obviously, that's the main goal starting early and finishing early, but at the same time, let's not forget, finishing early also means avoiding those uh, late cross events that I spoke about, and also, you know, the negative impact of the incidence of the type of finances on fruit. Okay, makes sense. We are getting the, to the end of the time slot, but I think we can still do another question. Um, can enzymes be used together with bulk or powder um, or catalytic uh, clays? Uh, absolutely, yes. Um, in fact, you know, most of the work we, we've done has proven to us that these two products, particularly type powder, which is the one that we uh, worked on for more more time, uh, has a, a synergetic action when, when put, applied, put together with enzymes. Um, I have no doubt that also calcium clays, which have a similar impact on, on base would definitely go along well with the use of, use of enzymes. Um, so in, in most of the cases, if, again, if the fruit condition justifies the presence, they go together. And as I said, there's a synergetic action of these products to be put together. Sometimes require the addition of solidate to fully express the, that old release that we spoke about in the presentation. Okay, thank you. Um, so, so, as I said, um, all the questions that were not answered uh, today and now will be answered uh, after this webinar. We'll go reach you directly. Um, I'd like to thank you, Pablo, for um, presenting the, the, these novelties and, uh, and also like to thank Novozymes for supporting and Alicia for directing the, the director of this webinar. Thank you very much. And so just to, to know that this will be was recorded, so it will be available further on if you want to watch it again or share with, with colleagues. Okay, so thank you. And um, yeah, let's be in touch. Thank you.